Well, I'll keep your Bibles open there in uh, Hebrews 11, and we're going to ask for the Lord's blessing on this time around his word. Gracious God, we want to thank you again for the privilege it is to be able to come and meet together like this, to be able to open your word freely, and to be able to hear what it says to us, and to have the Holy Spirit as our teacher. We pray especially this morning that our hearts would be open to that which you would say to us, both individually and also collectively. We pray this morning for your blessing to be upon this time and for the Lord Jesus Christ to be exalted in our hearts and in our lives. Amen. Well, over the past several months, what we've been doing is we've been working our way through the book of Deuteronomy in a series entitled Choose Life. And next week will be the last message in this series, but I couldn't uh, sort of end our time in this, uh, in this series on Choose Life without speaking a bit about its, the author and the central human character of Deuteronomy, that being Moses. You might recall, if you go back to the very, very first um, message in this series, in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 1, we read these words. It says that these are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness. Moses there has been, had been the leader of the, the people of God for over 40 years. They had been uh, under the, uh, the guidance and the leadership and the, uh, the nurture and the instruction of this man who had led them through all kinds of uh, uh, situations as he had been God's servant, used by God in order to, uh, you know, to lead his people. He'd been there, appeared on the mountain. God had revealed himself there on Mount Sinai. Moses had gone up on behalf of the people as this mediator of, of, of the people of God there be, before God and had been given the law. He'd brought it down. The people had entered into this covenant relationship with God. He'd led them from there to the promised land and the people had rebelled against God and, and so that God led them out into the wilderness. And Moses had led them faithfully throughout this time. And I see today being Father's Day, I thought it'd be very appropriate then to take a look at this man, Moses. Moses, the man of God. I'm going to use Hebrews 11:23 to 29 this morning as our guide, as, as Alwyn's already read that to us. Because I believe that this passage reveals what was so significant about Moses and about why he is indeed called a man of God. Of course, it has all to do with his faith, a, a great faith that he had in God. So this morning we're going to look at Moses. We're going to look at his faith under four headings this morning. Uh, you've got your notes there that you would have received as you came in through the door this morning. So we're going to look at faith's rearing, faith's reckoning, faith's resilience, uh, sorry, faith's reliance and faith's results. So if you've got your notes there, you might like to follow along. You can follow along quite easily there too in your Bibles and make your own notes. So let's look at faith's rearing to start with. As we look at this passage in verse 23, we see that Moses' faith was very much shaped by the faith of his parents. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, we're going to need a little bit of uh, background here because what had taken place is that, uh, that the people of uh, the, the Israel people, the Hebrew people, had uh, been in Egypt for some 400 years and they had grown vast in numbers. And this in itself is a fulfillment of the promise that God had made to Abraham right back in Genesis 12 that, that his, his descendants would be great, as numerous as the stars in the sky. 
And uh, he said, but, but God said to Abraham that his people would be slaves in, for 400 years in a land not their own. And we see that being worked out here in Egypt, that the, the people of Israel had gone down to, uh, to, uh, to Egypt in the person of, of Jacob and his sons. They'd grown in number. They'd grown so vast that they actually outnumbered the Egyptian people. And Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, realised the threat. And so he sought to rectify the situation by, first of all, enslaving the people and, and treating them incredibly harshly. But then also he, uh, he brought in this edict that all the male babies of the Hebrew people had to be killed at birth. And you read about that in Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through to 16. And it was at this time that Moses was born. That he was born to, uh, to, uh, to his parents and they were, um, were God-fearing people. They loved the Lord God with all their heart, soul, mind and strength. And so they hid Moses. They saw something incredibly special. It says in the, uh, in the passage here that they saw that he was beautiful. Well, any parent, well, as they, you know, when they get their little babies, I think all parents would call their children beautiful, wouldn't they? Hey, they're all gorgeous. But there had to be some other reason given as to why they would defy the king's edict. Because all the people, all the Hebrew people who were having babies at that time, I'm sure all the mums and dads thought that their children were beautiful and yet many of the children were killed. But Moses' parents defied the king's edict and they, they hid Moses for three months. Surely there had to be more to Moses, to, to, them, to what they saw in Moses that, uh, that, would help, that, that would make them take such a great risk. And we see that in Acts chapter 7 and verse 20. Because in Acts chapter 7 verse 20, we have a man called Stephen who was a leader in the early church. And Stephen is on trial before the Jewish religious council of his day. And as he is on trial for his faith, he gives this incredible account of the people of God, the, the history of the people of God. And sort of so helping, so he wants to sort of try to communicate to this Jewish ruling council that God's plan had been right the way from the, from, you know, from Abraham right the way through to the present time, to Stephen's time, that, that God was working out his plans and Christ was the fulfillment of that plan. And as he gives this incredible history, he speaks of Moses. And he says that Moses was beautiful to God. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 20. That he was beautiful to God. And what this means is that, 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 that he was very much a, a child that was special to God. That God's special favour was particularly on this child Moses. Their child was special. God had singled him out for his set purpose. So Moses' parents saw this in this child. God enabled them to have spiritual eyes to see that God had a very set purpose for this child and for the history of his people. So despite the king's edict, they hid him for three months, but they eventually set him, set him afloat on the Nile in this basket. And Moses' sister, watching from the, uh, the reeds on the, uh, the banks of the Nile, saw the, the, uh, the basket float down to where Pharaoh's daughter was actually having, was bathing. And she draws the baby out of the water and, uh, and Moses' sister comes up to Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter and says, you know, I can find a Hebrew woman to actually nurse this child for you. And uh, so she says, yeah, please go and do that. And so Moses gets to return to his mum and his dad for a, for a time. 
Now, some suggest that Moses may have only been, you know, two or three years, two or three years old when he was actually passed back to uh, to Pharaoh's daughter. Others suggest that he was maybe had been as old as twelve years old when it came to him being taken back to the palace and being given to Pharaoh's daughter to rear. Whatever the age, it seems that, 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 that there was enough time for Moses' Moses's parents to actually instill in him a true knowledge of the faith of God. There must have been enough time for them to do that. They took time to teach him about God and his ways. And we see that through them that, folks, parental influence is so powerful. It's so powerful and, and dads and mums today, we need to, you know, we need to be asking ourselves, are we nurturing our children in the right way? Are we passing on the faith, our faith to our children in a way which, you know, truly honours God and a way which is going to help our children stand strong in their faith as they grow older and as the challenges come from this world today? You know, the home itself is the nursery of faith. And we only have our children for a certain amount of time and we need to be investing as much as is humanly possible, whether it be mums and dads together or whether it be dads on their own and whether it even be mums on their own. Because I know that today that the family unit is is such a, a diverse thing today, isn't it? But we need to be relying on God that he will help us to instill in our children this, this faith, you know, throughout the, the scriptures we see time and time again God, you know, encouraging and exhorting, you know, that the, 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 the faith be passed on from generation to generation. And as a church collectively here today, we also seek to do that through our, through our various ministries of our church, passing on the faith from generation to generation that our children might know who God is, that they might come to know and love him with all their hearts and serve him as well. And so when Moses was finally handed back to Pharaoh's daughter, he had this, this faith that had been instilled in him by his parents. But in Acts chapter 7 and verse 22, when he was taken into the palace, into Pharaoh's palace, we're told that he was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he became mighty in words and deeds. So Moses has this kind of dual upbringing, if you like. He's got this, this upbringing of his family in terms of his faith, of the faith of, of God, and then he's instructed in the wisdom of the Egyptians. Hebrew by birth, raised by the Egyptians, raised as an Egyptian prince with all the trappings that went along with that. Wealth, power, prestige, status, you can't even begin to imagine the, the wealth, the, 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 the kind of life that Moses would have lived there in the, in the palace. He would, have the, he would have had the best of the best. And sooner or later, Moses would be confronted with having to make a choice. The same choice that we all must ultimately make in our lives. That choice as to whether or not we are going to follow the ways of God or we are going to follow the ways of this world. And we see this in the next verse, in verse 24 this morning. And this is talking about faith's reckoning. In verse 24 it says that by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It doesn't sort of really pick it up in this uh, in this translation, but it says when he was grown up. It actually says when Moses became mighty, 
when Moses became powerful, when Moses you know, had this incredible place of privilege and of power and prestige there in the, uh, in the Egyptian culture and in the Egyptian, uh, you know, the, the Egyptian society, it says that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses realised he had this choice to be for him. That he could either choose to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter or choose to identify himself with the Hebrew slaves. As I said, to side with the Egyptians would mean a life of power, of comfort, of luxury, of, of, as I said, of a life that we couldn't even begin to imagine. We look around us today at some of these celebrities and the, the kind of lives they live, these incredibly uh, you know, powerful and successful business people in the world today, owners of huge big companies and the kind of luxurious and decadent kind of lifestyles that they live today in these huge big houses and then the wealth and the cars and the, and then the, 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 uh, the, the, the kind of um, things that they're able to do fly around the world here, there and everywhere. That's the kind of life that Moses had there in Egypt. It's a kind of a life that I think many people in our world today would just yearn after and long for and give, give anything to have. I mean, Moses' life was made. He had it all. And yet deep down he knew that God had a purpose for him. Acts chapter 7 verse 23 to 25 says this, and it's recounting a, uh, a passage from, from, from Exodus chapter 2. And it says, When Moses was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, that is his, his blood relatives, his, the Hebrews, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them being wrong, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. And this is what's going through his mind. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand. But they did not understand. So even there at that particular point, and we don't pick this up in Exodus, but we, we, we find it from Acts as, as Stephen recounts Moses' life, we see that Moses had some kind of understanding in his, in, his, in his mind and his heart that God had him singled out and that in some way God was going to use him to rescue his people. And so he was the choice. All the glory and all the luxury and all the grandeur and all the, all the prestige of being there as the, as the grandson of Pharaoh and the future king of Egypt. Or to associate with the Hebrew people. And Moses knew that God had a plan. God was going to use him to free his people from slavery. So Moses refused to adopt to, 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 sorry, he refused his adopted heritage. And this is the first act we see in which Moses is exercising this faith. And folks, true and genuine faith is willing to refuse and reject that which we possess in order to do the will of God. True and genuine faith is willing to refuse or reject all that we possess in order to do the will of God. Peter Cameron Scott, 
back in the 1800s, was a gifted opera singer and was hoping to be a a well-renowned opera singer, a very famous opera singer in the world in in that particular time in history. But instead, he chose to go and train as a missionary and go to Africa. And in 1890, he and his brother went to Africa as missionaries. And it wasn't long after that his brother died and Peter became incredibly ill. So ill, in fact, that he had to return to England. And as he recovered, he he, he took time to recruit others to join him to go back to Africa. And in 1895, he and seven others, including his sister, journeyed back to Africa to take the gospel to the people in that country. And he wrote a letter at some point saying that, you know, the progress was being made, that they were, you know, that they'd open up some schools or educate, you know, and bring, opening up a medical centre so people were getting proper medical care and things like that. But then soon after he wrote that letter in 1896, he died. And not just he died, but, but uh, quite a number of that, the, the group that went with him also died and the remainder ended up having to come home all but one. And the area which they ministered and which they served became known to the Africans as the white man's graveyard. Because more missionaries died than people who became Christians in those early years. And yet other missionaries followed. Other missionaries followed and they packed their belongings in their own coffins to go to Africa to take the message of the gospel to these people. They packed their belongings in their own coffins knowing that they would go and they would give their lives completely and be buried there in that, in that foreign country. And yet it was their determination and their zeal for God that impressed the native Africans so much that some 70 years later, the Africa Inland Mission became the Africa Inland Church and consisted of about one and a half million people under African leadership. By faith means to forsake all to follow Christ. As Jesus said, we are to deny ourselves. We are to take up our cross and to follow him. Moses knew that that's what faith was all about. He knew that he had to forsake all else in order to be true to God. And so in refusing to adopt his, his uh, heritage, his adopted heritage, Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Verse 25. And come on, let's face it, shall we? I mean, sin is pleasurable, isn't it? Isn't it? Come on, be honest with me. Sin first and... I mean, if, if sin wasn't pleasurable, then we wouldn't want any part of it, would we? But first and foremost, sin is a denial of God. Because when we deny God, we refuse to acknowledge him for who he is. We deny God when we choose to follow our own ways and our own wisdom instead of God's. 
Sin is putting I at the centre instead of God. And for Moses, the fleeting pleasures of sin would have been incredibly appealing. But he instead chose to be mistreated with the people of God. I think that's a really... uh, that, that word mistreated, it, it really does, does not project the kind of, 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 of suffering that the people of God endured under the hands of, at the hands of the Egyptians. And yet Moses chose that way of life instead of the ways of the Egyptians. And folks, the choice to obey God by faith may result in short-term suffering. But can I say that it also results in eternal blessings? The Bible speaks a lot about fleeting pleasures. Job chapter 20 verses 4 to 7 says this, Do you not know this from of old, since man was placed on earth, that the exalting of the wicked is short and the joy of the godless but for a moment? Though his height mount up to the heavens and his head reach the clouds, he will perish forever like his own dung. Those who have seen him will say, where is he? Though he might become great for a time, once we're gone, we're gone. First Peter chapter 2 verse 11 says, Beloved, I urge you. <clears throat> Speaking to Christians, he says, <clears throat> excuse me. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, these fleeting pleasures of sin, because they wage war against your soul. Moses knew that going after these, the, you know, the, the, the pleasures of Egypt and that sort of thing would wage war against his soul so much that they would wrench him away from following God, that they would wrench him away from all of the blessings and all of the privileges and all of the eternal salvation and security that is in God and in God alone. And we ourselves today, we are in the same boat, folks. We have got these pleasures and with these passions that are there before us, that, are call, that call out to us, that, 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 that whisper in our ears, that get us to go after them and chase after them. And Peter says, I urge you, you know, to abstain from these things because they wage war against your soul. <clears throat> Well, what prompted Moses to make such a remarkable and strange choice? Well, we see it in this, that Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Verse 26. That word considered means to have made a judgment. In other words, he weighed things up in his own mind. He weighed them up and he weighed up the ramifications of of following down this path or following down this path. He'd reached, you know, he'd, he'd made this judgment, he'd weighed things up, and he'd come to a settled position in his heart and in his mind that he needed to follow God's ways. He made the judgment that there were greater riches to consider than just what he saw with his eyes. And faith enabled Moses to see that there is indeed something far greater and something far more worthwhile than pursuing the riches and pleasures of this world. Matthew 6, 
19 to 20 says this, Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is saying we need to look beyond the temporal. We need to look beyond the, te- beyond the temporary, beyond the here and now, and think about the fact that we are indeed eternal beings. That you and I, we are not just here and then that's it, finished forever and ever and ever. That we were created to be people who go on, who we are eternal beings. We have a spirit that will continue to live on far past this time here on earth. And Jesus is saying, you need to understand this. You need to realize this. You need to recognize this because this world is not all there is. Don't put all your hope and all your trust and all your confidence and all your affection and admiration and, and, and loyalty to everything here in this world. He says, because this time is just a, a fleeting time. I love Francis Chan's, uh, um, he did this uh, incredible um, um, illustration of eternity and he had this huge big long rope that he had on the stage and he sort of, you know, uncoiled this rope and he was, you know, threading it through his hands and it was going on and on and on and on and on and eventually he got to the very end of this rope and he had a little bit of rope on the end and had a little bit of red tape around it and he said, that's your life. That is your life in the context of eternity. And we devote so much time and effort and energy into this little bit and forget about all that. Moses looked upon the honour of being the son of Pharaoh's daughter and by faith he saw that holding on to this meant rejecting God. And gaining the throne of Egypt meant losing his status as a child of God and the eternal inheritance that comes along with that. The reward that Moses was looking to. He was looking to the reward, it says. Not the earthly reward, but the eternal reward of being with God forever as his treasured child. That's what Paul saw as well when he was able to write in Romans chapter 8 and 18 where he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. They don't even compare. And so he could write in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So this morning, let me ask you this. What are your eyes fixed on? What are your eyes fixed on? What is your heart fixed on today? Where is your loyalty? Where is your, where is your heart? Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And if God is not your treasure then that is not where your heart is. But for Moses and for Paul, God was their treasure. And folks, today God needs to be our treasure. He needs to be your greatest riches.
There was a man, Jesus told a parable of a man who went to and found a field and in that field he found a treasure and so he sold everything that he owned in order to have that treasure. And Jesus is speaking here of this whole aspect of when we find God, we need to give up all we own to have him and him alone. Because he alone is worthy. He alone is where true satisfaction and fulfilment of life comes. I I can only convince you of that today, folks. Deep down in your hearts. That would be my greatest desire today. But only God can do that. Well, by faith then we read that Moses, uh, sorry, Moses left Egypt. I think I might have gone one too far. No, it doesn't matter. But Moses, by faith, Moses left Egypt in verse 27. And for those who are, who are um, filling in the notes, the word there is left. That word left is speaking about more than just a physical leaving, more than just a change of geographical location. It means a forsaking of, a renouncing of all that Egypt was and all that it had to offer because Moses saw a greater king than Pharaoh in his life. He saw the king of kings and the Lord of lords in God. And Moses feared God more than any king of this earth. And folks, God's call to man is always a call that means a choice to forsake all else to follow him. Like Abraham, like Moses, like Jesus' disciples when he called them there on the beach that day and said, come follow me, and they left their nets and their families behind and they followed Jesus. Whether it be like Paul, whether it be like Peter, Cameron, Scott, and like the countless men and women through the centuries, God calls each of us to forsake all else, to know a blessing that is beyond anything this world can ever offer. Can I ask you today, have you found have you found that? Have you found that treasure in Jesus? Alright, let's finish off quickly. Faith's reliance. Verse 28, it says, By faith, Moses kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood. Verse 28. See, Moses had tried it his way and he'd failed. He killed the Egyptian. He tried to force his leadership on the Hebrew people. And God said, no, Moses, that's not the way it's going to work. I've got a different plan for you. And so he took Moses out there into the wilderness for 40 years so he could train him in the ways of the desert so he would be prepared and equipped to lead the people of God in the desert, in the wilderness. He needed to to mould and shape Moses into the leader that he wanted him to be. And what we need to understand is that, you know, for, for us as in our ways, we think our wisdom is, is so, so great and so grand, but God's ways are far higher than our ways, as the prophet Isaiah tells us. That though what may look like foolishness to us, God then reveals through it a wisdom that is far greater than anything we could know. And if you want to know a little bit more about that, read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 31, which speaks about the wisdom and the foolishness of the cross. Because that's where God's wisdom was shown in all its, its manifest glory and power. And yet the men saw that as, as absolute and utter foolishness. You know, when it came to the Exodus, freeing God's people from slavery in Egypt, God told the people to eat a meal. 
Folks, I want you, we're going to have a, a great, we, we're, going to, we're going to leave Israel, we're going to leave Egypt, we're going to leave slavery, and the way you're going to accomplish it is through sitting down and having dinner. And you're going to slaughter a lamb and you're going to put its blood on the doorpost and on the lintels of the door, and that's where, this is how I am going to save you. Can you imagine being a Hebrew person in Egypt at that particular point in time and saying, what do you want about Moses? We're just going to paint some blood on a door and that's going to save us? That's going to free us from Egypt? After Pharaoh has refused to bow to all of these wonderful and incredible miracles in all of the plagues? Are you serious? And Moses says, trust God. And sure enough... That night as the angel of death came over Egypt, all those who were under the blood, who were, who were safe under the blood, passed through without, you know, without any harm coming to them and they were able to leave Egypt. My Pharaoh finally gave in. Although it may have appeared to, to strange to Moses and the people, by faith they trusted God's plan, they trusted his provision and they trusted his promise. And God redeemed them. And folks, that's why we today must trust Christ and Christ alone for our salvation. Because it is only by his blood, it is only by his sacrifice, it is only by putting our faith and trust in Christ that we ourselves can be can become part of God's family and have our sins forgiven and be rescued from sin and all its consequences. It is the only way. You cannot earn it yourself. It has got to be by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. And so we come to faith's reward. By faith, the people under Moses' leadership crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. Verse 29. Can you imagine it? The people had come out of Egypt. They had come out with all these belongings and they'd come to the Red Sea. They'd come to the shores of the Red Sea and all of a sudden they've got this huge big obstacle in front of them and they've got the Egyptian army bearing down with Pharaoh, with vengeance flaring in his eyes, with anger and hatred you know, in his heart, wanting to destroy the Israelite people. What do they do? They're caught between a rock and a hard place and what does Moses say? Stand still and watch the salvation of our God as he raises his staff and the sea parts and the people walk across on dry ground that is the reward for faith that God rescues God delivers, God blesses because he is true to his promises and yes God may not rescue you today from your circumstances he might not rescue you from your hardships and the trials and difficulties of your life but I can guarantee you that God will eventually deliver you and he will bring you home to glory where you will live in all of the grandeur and all of the pleasure and all of the joy and all of the goodness and all of the glory of God there with him forever and ever and ever amen that's the glory folks that's where we're headed that's the reward and so like Moses we should be able to say by faith God we are going to trust you by faith we refuse the things of this world by faith we choose to be mistreated and misaligned and opposed and then that sort of thing by the people of this world we choose to keep your way and God we know that you will deliver us 
and you will be with us and you will never let us go. Amen? Let's pray. Father, would you please ask us, would you please help us to trust you ultimately for our future, knowing that you are a God who never lets us down. Though things may not turn out how we might like here on this earth, our eternal destiny is secure in Jesus Christ. Father, this morning I pray for every heart in this room that we would weigh in the balance the treasures of this world against the greater riches of God in Jesus Christ. And we would see the reward of Christ is so much greater, so much more wonderful than than anything we could ever have in this world. And that we might see with eyes of faith, that we might live lives of faith that we might honour you and that we might one day be with you, that we might, Lord, Lord, we might just so just treasure that in our hearts. Father, today, give us that faith. Give us those eyes to see. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.